should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, Love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Hump Day. <laughs> I love saying that. You know, I got to figure out who came up with that. I wonder where it came from, the term hump day. So if you know, write to us at michellemeow.com. It's Wednesday, July 8th, and I am here, your host, Michelle Meow. Our, our producer, Jax, is in studio. What's going on, Jax? Who has the copyright to hump day? <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank, and uh, <laughs> man, those guys are, they really are sharks, but you know, they go and patent everything or trademark everything, and they just, that's how they make their billions and billions of money, boatload of money. And buy all their suits. And, and yes, they have pretty fancy suits. So I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this yesterday because uh, John Zipper was in studio, uh, but you know you heard his excitement about the Women's World Cup. I wanted to get your thoughts as a lesbian female athlete and young. <laughs> Always with the young. I know such an ages here on the show, um, but no. But I mean, you know, you, you played lacrosse in, in college. We talked about women's sports and just kind of how it's still difficult, really, for women to be equal in sports. But you got to be really excited about the fact that someone like Abby Wambach is like a hero to so many young girls out there. Oh, it's amazing. I didn't get to watch the game. I really wanted to. I was at work. Um, but uh, my excitement was dampered when I found out those numbers about how little they get paid. Not that I was so surprised. Um, I think it's so different for women athletes because growing up you aren't thinking about being a pro athlete really you mm -hmm. know after college it's kind of that's really it yeah and the, that was uh, something we didn't get to discuss yesterday but for most female athletes it's like you live your glory during college you know because you don't necessarily need to be thinking about paying a mortgage or or even rent because these girls don't even make enough to to pay rent um, but once you are done with that in going pro you also then take your college degree which most pro women or female athletes have a genuine and well-deserved college degree by the way because they're super intelligent women um and they have this side job as like you know in tech or in, as a as a in health or they're a nurse and it's just crazy to me whereas in male sports they're just who they are, and they buy diamonds. That, and I shouldn't make generalizations like that. Shame on me. Shame on me. <laughs> but anyway, we continue to celebrate uh, the Women's uh, World Cup win here in the United States and really around the world. Today's program is actually a very interesting program. We're going to bring two worlds and uh, in this whole entire hour. Um, and again, I'm so happy to, to be back in studio 
Uh, today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit Pacific fertilitycenter.com. Our guest today is Jen Gerdish, who is with Catholics for Choice, an organization that serves a voice for Catholics who believe that the Catholic tradition supports a woman's moral and legal right to follow her conscience in matters of sexuality and reproductive health. Let's welcome Jen to the program. Jen, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was excited to come across um, the organization and just a few reports that uh, you guys had put out. I want to start with, um, you know, having a discussion about millennials. Uh, You know, the Pope, Pope Francis, has made so many uh, progressive comments, and not just comments. I mean, he really does embody, uh, you know, being progressive and talking about, you know, know, in the environment and talking about same-sex couples or same-sex people or, you know, and talking about homosexuality, but also having a voice for young people. So let's talk about young Catholics and how their beliefs may be different from, you know, Catholics in general. Sure. Um, We conducted a poll um, in February and March of this year um, for Catholics that are 18 to 34, um, the millennial generation, if you will. Um, And we found that while Catholics, Catholic millennials love their Pope, I think 64% think he's more than favorable. They don't love all of his doctrine because he hasn't, while he's said many great things about reproductive health, well, about LGBT rights, he still hasn't really moved, um, made any doctrine changes, and he really hasn't been great on reproductive health. So while they love him and they are very, think that he's bringing a more open church, they aren't, so um, they sort of disapprove of a lot of his policies. Let's start with abortion just because the... um the the poll that you guys did you know starts with that you know what do millennials believe as far as a, a woman's right to choose well many millennials believe that um a reproductive health is very important and it's um up to everyone to decide their own um 82 percent believe that abortion should be legal in at least some cases and um 77 percent believe that um, women should have the same access to no-cost birth control no matter where they work. And which is extremely progressive when compared to, I, I guess you could say, older Catholics, right? You know, it's actually funny. We, um, well, it's not funny. We, uh, we did a similar poll in October, and um, 84% of all Catholics believe that abortion should be legal in at least some cases. So it's actually tracking right along the same lines. And it's really it's indicative of all the Catholics we work with across the United States and um, abroad that Catholics, everyday Catholics, believe in sexual and reproductive health and LGBT rights. They just believe in individual freedom and equality, and everyone should be able to follow their own conscience, no matter if that's different than their bishop or their neighbor or their family decides. Let's jump into LGBTQ equality and millennial Catholics. I mean, here in San Francisco, the gay mecca, if you will, or the gateway to the gays, we actually have Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione, who, you know, has made headlines in his conservative views regarding LGBTQ rights and have even has gone as far as trying to... Um, 
uh, I guess, toughen up you know, the doctrines uh, in terms of the schools and the, and the church and how they respond to LGBTQI people. What do millennials believe? Millennials believe very much in LGBT rights and sort of everyone having their freedom to follow their own conscience. So, you know, in terms of employment discrimination, they believe it should be illegal for Catholic institutions like churches and schools and hospitals to fire or hire anyone because they are openly LGBT um, or they, you know, support abortion rights or anything like that. So they are very much um, believe in real religious freedom. This is a great segue to what's happening here in this country. I mean, obviously, everyone has heard now that the Supreme Court has uh, ruled, uh, you know, on behalf of the LGBTQI community, that state bans on same-sex marriage is indeed unconstitutional, which now has started this, you know, firestorm of states trying to pass religious freedom bills. So I wanted to ask you, you know, in in kind of doing these polls and being a part of an organization like Catholics for Choice, Mm -hmm. what is the difference between religious freedom and discrimination or even religious liberty? Well, We believe that real religious freedom is freedom of and freedom from religion. So you can't be discriminated because of what you believe or if you don't believe. And no one's religion should be able to impart their values on everyone else. So um, real religious freedom um, doesn't support discrimination at all. So when the bishops say that their religious freedom is being infringed upon because of same-sex marriage being legal, across the United States, that's actually not the real definition of religious freedom. That's sort of a bogus definition. Wow. That is pretty, uh, I mean, I think that's the best um, statement that we've received from a representative of a religious organization ever. I think we've been, you know, interviewing a lot of politicians and a lot of quote unquote religious leaders, but you know, I I would like to hear that argument extended. Say, for example, if someone from a religious organization, you know, came up to you or, or anyone who's part of the organization who believes in this more modern or progressive thinking in terms of equality, you know, well, how would you have that argument to someone who says, you know, I be- truly believe that homosexuality is a sin and I don't need to serve this person here in this country, regardless of that Supreme Court decision protecting LGBTQI people under the 14th Amendment? I would say that that person has every right to their belief, um, but their belief should not be able to infringe on someone else's. They shouldn't be able to opt out of laws that protect others from harm. It's it's so simple as that. And (laughs) I don't know why the dialogue here in this country goes round and round and round and we you know, hardly ever get to something as simple as that. I wanted to bring up a campaign that Catholics for Choice was involved in. um, And uh, it had, you know, it was the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops that held their annual campaign to, to promote or discrimination or, you know, and I don't have the full details of this uh, campaign, but can you tell me a little bit more about it? Sure. Um, We're part of a coalition called the Coalition for Liberty and Justice, and it's 60-plus members who speak up for real religious freedom, and and these organizations really, like, spread over the gambit. You know, they include LGBT rights people. They include organizations like us that are reproductive rights-focused. They include separation of church and state um, members, and um, we sort of 
we all get together and we did a Twitter storm on July 2nd um, to talk about what real religious freedom is and the hashtag was hashtag real religious freedom is. And so people get really got to speak up and out about the real definition. And it was great. We heard from so many people and it was very effective. We're speaking with Jen Gerdish, who is with Catholics for Choice, an organization that serves a voice for Catholics who believe that the Catholic tradition supports a woman's moral and legal right to follow her conscience in matters of sexuality and reproductive health. Um, Let's talk about the hashtag real religious freedom is. While it was incredible, I mean, I'm I'm sure of it that you also had people who tried to crash that hashtag uh, inciting their own religious beliefs or what they thought religious, you know, freedom is, right? They did. I mean, you're always going to have that. It's Twitter. It's, you know, (laughs) that's sort of the nature of the beast. But um, we, the voices of that few didn't overpower our voices, I believe. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things, you know, with the the argument and kind of where they're going, it's so easy for someone like who's progressive and who's modern, who's obviously open to all religions and who, you know, embodies the true traditional American values um, to say that, okay, they sound crazy, you know, but some people, really hardcore conservative or fundamental uh, people do believe these things that people say. So I kind of wanted, you know, to get your perspective on uh, on the type of, uh, I, I'm going to go out and say it, but, you know, they sound so ignorant uh, in kind of these hateful things. Like, so what, if you don't believe that religious freedom is what you consider it to be as someone with this progressive modern organization, what are people thinking it is then? I don't know that I could give the best answer to that because I don't yeah. know what's going on in their heads. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, no, and 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 I and I think that that it has I don't know how we got here. Well, no, I do know how we got here. It's the culture wars and the uh political or, or you know, influence on religion here in this country and it being used as a tool. Um that's what I think and where there's a breakdown in communication as to what religious freedom really is. Do you think that I'm out of bounds when I say something like that? No, I think it's sort of, you know, we've, uh, real religious freedom has been sort of, or religious freedom as a term has been sort of redefined over the past couple of years, and it's just really getting distorted, and, you know, that that can happen when a definition is trying to be redefined by someone else, I think would be an accurate thing to say. Right. Right, absolutely. Well, Jen, I'm going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'd like for you to stick around because we uh, we want to at least conclude what, you know, this study, this poll that you conducted, what it means for the future of Catholics and religion here in this country. Will you stick around? Yeah, absolutely. Don't go away. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. For listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on on Facebook. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. On the Progressive Voices Facebook page, we update the stories that our hosts like Tom Hartman, Stephanie Miller, Bill Press, and Leslie Marshall will be talking about during their shows. And we share great news, commentaries, opinion pieces, and videos from all over the progressive world. Always progressive, always on. Be part of the progressive conversation. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, 
Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side as a unified team of the best fertility specialists guided by the highest ethical standards Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Wednesday, July 8th. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Jax, our producer, is in studio. We're continuing our conversation. Our com- Sorry, <laughs> I was drinking green tea earlier. We're continuing our conversation with our guest, Jen Gerdish, who's on the phone. She's with Catholics for Choice, an organization that serves as a voice for Catholics who believe that the Catholic tradition supports a woman's moral and legal right to follow her conscience in matters of sexuality and reproductive health. So there is such a thing as, you know, progressive, modern religious organizations or religious people who don't necessarily believe that religious freedom means the right to discriminate. So we were having this conversation with Jen. Jen, um, you know, the uh, Catholics for Choice organization recently did a poll that showed us that millennials have a much more progressive outlook when it comes to abortion, women's rights, and uh, LGBTQ rights to be specific. But, you know, these findings, I mean, what's the importance of this, especially with these continuing arguments in this country what religion actually is well you know millennials are coming into power you know we're getting up there in age (laughs) i guess (laughs) um and you know we are going to shape the future of the church and the future of society and i think it's really important to know what our beliefs are and where we want to see change and you know our social justice issues and i think it's really important for the institutional Catholic Church to pay attention to what their larger, older congregation is going to believe and how they're going to try to shape the church and listen to them. There was a poll that I recently read, you know, and it came to LGBTQI people um, and religion. I mean, some would, a lot of people used to think that, you know, when it came to religion, LGBTQI people were not necessarily religious. However, this recent poll, uh, you know, did said something else, that over 50%, over half of LGBTQI people here in this country are actually uh, religious. So there is a home for LGBTQI people in, in you know, churches and also the Catholic Church, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, religion and who you love aren't mutually exclusive. I, uh, it, it, every time I talk about the uh, Catholic Church and, and when we talk about Catholicism and the LGBTQI community and relationship, it always reminds me of an interview that I once did with a a lesbian who, 
you know, she 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 was a celibate lesbian because she wanted to be a part of the Catholic Church. Do you think that, you know, going forward and as we progress uh, with our values and kind of our thinking and our ways, that we'll necessarily have to be that extreme in order to fit in as far as LGBTQI people? Or do you think that we'll, uh, it'll be a little bit easier for us to also be both religious and LGBTQI? I hope in the future that it will be. I know that there are many um, organizations dedicated to religious LGBTQI people, and they have found a home in that community, and I hope that um, the institutional church will welcome them. Absolutely. Well, it's been an awesome pleasure speaking with you, and uh, thank you so much for conducting the polls and for you know having this voice that... And it's so simple, you know, in terms of what freedom is. And, uh, you know, and, and I think it's so important, the work that you guys are doing. So what's what's next after, you know, the, I'm sure of it that you have a bunch of other work that you're doing. We are. Um, we actually, we put out a quarterly magazine called Conscience, and we talk about a lot of important reproductive health issues. And so, and we will be doing work as the Pope comes to visit us in September, so look out for that as well. Oh, I do have one question. Will the organization be involved in trying to get the Archbishop here in San Francisco removed? We aren't involved in that sphere, unfortunately. (laughs) I just think there should be a campaign to remove him. He just seems so out of touch with even just San Francisco in general. Yeah, unfortunately that's not, we don't do a lot of work in San Francisco, so that's not really our area. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, and uh, thank you for the work that you do for with Catholics for Choice. Thank you for having us. When we continue, we we have a special like second half hour of the show. I mean, I'm I'm stuttering because it's going to be pretty incredible. We're going to talk about fetish. We're going to talk about leather. We're going to talk about kink. That's all coming up, so you don't want to go away. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. I'm Heclina. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years. And uh, over the past couple of months, I just opened up my club, Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody and that's just kind of the attitude and the the ethics of Oasis is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know, you know, it's funny because I still need, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true, you know what I mean? Like I walk in there and and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, can I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like, I forget that it's my place. Running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time. So you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it, I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. 
So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always like, like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll, they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it, you know what I mean? This has always been my attitude. Um, just to entertain people and so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity and, uh, and you know, don't let others dictate how you should behave or think. Uh, you can always go to uh, sfoasis.com to find out about all the entertainment and nightlife that we have going on at Oasis. If you want to see drag, we've got that for you. If you want to see some queer hip-hop parties or queer dance parties, we have that for Spotlight you. Spotlight on success and achievement. Brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us here on this special hump day. <laughs> I just think it's so fitting for what we're discussing. We're discussing progressive Catholics and fetish, kink, leather. <laughs> it's just so perfect. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Jax, our producer, is in studio. Our guest on the phone with us is Pop Tugger. And uh, I just want to tell a really quick story while I was hosting the Pride Parade broadcast, a leather contingent came down and there were these big signs for hashtag Tuggergate. And I had no idea, you know, what that meant. And so we had a social media guy, uh, Dean McCarthy, and I kept asking him, hey, throw it out there in the social media space. What does Tuggergate mean? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking all kinds of things, right? <laughs> but I finally found out and it led me to Pup Tugger. Pup, welcome to the program. Hello, how are you, Michelle? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on this program on the Progressive Voices Network. <laughs> it's my pleasure. So, you know, Pup, you um, kind of threw people off, I guess, at the International Mr. Leather uh, competition in which we normally see in the leather community uh, it is a much more masculine approach or, or um, a, a not so much of a high femme approach in which you, you strode across the stage uh, in, you know, leather and high femme gear, right? I did. I did. And I mean, is that has that always been a part of your, you know, just you and kind of how you represent yourself in the leather community? Yeah, I mean, I've always been an effeminate type of person. So, um, like, I've always just identified more of being an effeminate man who is incredibly masculine, but I also enjoy being able to play with the feminine aspect of myself. Um, I did, like, of course, I amped it up a little for IML. Um, that is not usually my general everyday wear, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely representative of who I am and who I want to be when I'm in a leather space. The interesting thing is, um, the responses from the leather community, I mean, it was an incredible response. Were you, did you kind of expect that or you weren't expecting that at all? Um, it could have gone either way. I, while I was getting ready, I had a bunch of people Tell me that I respect your idea, but you but don't do that. But you probably shouldn't do that. And so I was expecting it to go one of two ways. It was either going to go really well or it was going to go sour. Um, and it went sour for a couple of people, but everybody had such an overwhelming response and such positive and amazing responses that all of the negativity was completely drowned out. Everybody's been 
entirely supportive of everything that I needed to do. And let's talk about that. I mean, why it went sour for some people. I mean, the the leather community, it, it's beautiful. And yes, it's it's a fetish uh, or those, you know, who are focusing on fetish here. Um, mm-hmm. But like I've have mentioned before, I've met lots of friends in the leather community who also raise a ton of money for AIDS, HIV organizations and do charitable work. But when it comes to explaining the leather community and um, kind of, you know, the history of it, let's go there first, because I think that would explain why it went sour for some people. Absolutely. So for, I would probably say the last 10, 15 years, the leather community has been this hyper-masculine, super animated, hyper-male environment. So um, even during the 80s and 90s, clubs enforced a heavy male, full formal dress code that you had to adhere to or you would not be permitted. And so if you didn't fit their ideal, if you didn't fit what they thought a leather person was, you you weren't allowed to even be in the same bar. Um, so people had that idea of what a leather person is and had this image of what it needed to be. And so to have someone like me come around and kind of push those limits and say, I can be who this is, but I don't have to look like you to do it. We've had some people pushing it a little, but I think because I did it in such a grandiose and such a public fashion that it's been getting a lot of attention. I, you know, for someone who's not in the leather community, however, in the LGBTQI community, um, mm-hmm. you, you when you look at the leather community, there's such, you know, there's diversity in uh, roles, right? There's a lot of role playing. And so I, I wouldn't have thought that um, gender roles or gender expression would have been a problem. Well, because it is so, usually gender expression is, can be forced in the leather community. So you, it is, in the past it's generally been deemed if you are forcing into someone into a gender image, you're doing that by force, and, and it's more of a humiliating manner. Um, so that's why when you see submissives who are wearing skirts or submissives who are wearing heels, um, a lot of the times it's forced, they're being forced into that role in a humiliating way. Um, and I'm not doing that at all. I mean, good on them, whatever gets their rocks off, but I'm doing it as an expression of who I am versus a humiliation of what somebody's putting me into. Well, let's talk about, um, role-playing for a second with you. Um, you know, pup tugger. I'm, I'm wondering if that is, I mean, how did you get your name? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I kind of fell into the puppy community, um, or the animal, um, the animal headspace role play community. I'd probably say about three or four years ago, I started reaching into it because, um, I had seen some things about it on stuff like recon or other, um, more fetish based social media websites. And 
So it piqued my interest because I kind of saw it as an escape or I saw it as a a way to be super playful and being in that in that fetish realm. So I started getting into puppy play um, and which is essentially getting on the floor and acting like you're in a giant pet store, like grown humans rolling on the floor, chasing after balls, tackling other people who identify as puppies. Um, but I came across my name. I had always just called myself Pup, and then um, my handler, Boy Bam Bam, was just like, well, we should find you a name. Give me a list of things, and we'll see which one speaks to us. And so we ended up settling on Tugger after, I, I don't know, months of going back and forth. So let's talk a little bit about the, the puppy play um, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of the, uh, the... <laughs> I'm stuck for the words that I want to say. I'm just I'm just going to say it. It's my show. Who cares? It's Progressive Voices Network. And it's the internet, but I mean, what's the outcome? What do you, what do you get out of it? I mean, what's the, uh, the, is it like, you know, the big giant foreplay before the, the, uh, the climactic part, right? Or so explain that to me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally sexually liberated and open here. And I think Mm -hmm. to me, it was like puppy play. Are you doing a whole lot of cuddling or, you know, what sexual activity involves in it? Can it be anything that you want it to be? Well, so it can really be what you want it to be as long as you fall into that headspace. Um, a majority of the pups that I know do not take it to an actual physical sexual space. Mm. Um, so there are people who play at home, and you see that more. you get a lot more puppy-on-puppy puppy action. <laughs> so, like, if you have two people who identify as pup, you'll see humping and, and things like that. Um but usually in the realms of handler versus puppy, you don't really see a lot of sexual activity happening there. So, um, yeah, so a fetish doesn't, I mean, it, it, that's what it is. It doesn't always have to be, yeah, sexual activity. Exactly. In fact, I use it a lot as more just a liberating meditative experience. Um, so I use it to get out of my head and be able to function and perf- like in order to just be outside of my body and have fun and just go through these tough things, just be more reactionary because my brain is able to turn off and get into like that headspace. So I'm not, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. You're listening to the Michelle Meow Show, and on the phone with us is Pup Tugger, who is a contestant at the International Mr. Leather Competition. And uh, you're out there in Phoenix, uh, which gets relatively hot. Um, so yes. with puppy play, at least you don't necessarily have to be all covered in leather, right? Oh, dear God, no. I usually wear, like, a wrestling singlet. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of puppies wear jock straps or songs. There are some people who even, if you're in a private space, will do it while they're naked. Um, And I promised you, I know you're on your lunch break, so I promised I would get you in and out of an interview within 15 minutes, but I have to ask. Oh, no, you have my whole 30 minutes. Oh, okay, awesome. Okay, cool. Um, Well, then, I mean, I'm still going to ask. I mean, I was going to ask if you wouldn't mind making puppy noises for us on the show. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, or is that I mean, saved for the when you have to be in the headspace? No, it's it's not. Um, I mean, I'm not really a marfer. A lot of puppies will like marf or arf and bark, and I'm not really one of those. Um, I I will I get reactionary when I play, but there are a lot of puppies who vocalize when they're in their regular headspace just to say hi and stuff like that. I'm not generally one of those. <laughs> I mean, I can, but it's just not usually what I do. Well, I love that you're breaking, you know, barriers and diversifying, um, you know, the the roles in the, the leather community. And I, I actually uh, relate to you in a lot of ways because if I were to be a part of the leather community in a, in a different way, um, involved uh, in mm-hmm. role-playing, I think I would be a, a puppy as well. I make puppy noises all the time. Like a, you That's know. adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I will say something that I that carries into my everyday life is I will catch myself wagging when I don't even notice. <laughs> so like when something when something gets me really excited, I'll just be sitting in my chair and I'll kind of like waggle my hips a little bit, and people will be like, "What did you just do?" Oh, nothing. I didn't. I didn't do it. That is so cute. That's so cute. So I want to move on to, you know, the the serious side of the work because, sure, the leather community, you know, we focus on fetish, but the leather community also does a whole lot of work. You got involved back in 2009, so it's been several years since you've been a Mm -hmm. part of the leather community. And a lot of people, even in the LGBTQI community, um, criticize, you know, those in the leather community and, 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 and maybe because they're a little bit more closed or a little bit more conservative. But what are your feelings about, you know, the criticism? Well, so everyone, all criticisms come from, from different places, um, which almost every criticism is valid. It's all based on perception. Um, but the leather community definitely has a way of doing things that doesn't necessarily bode well with a lot of different parts of our community. Um, we really tend to focus on HIV and AIDS awareness, um, but just because everybody else, we lost a tremendous amount of people during the sexual revolution because even being in leather, we were, we were so much more risky and we were so much more sexually embracing that, um, that we did lose a lot of people. And, and so we try to be, we try to raise money for our community and we try to be really supportive. And sometimes we focus a little too inward, um, just because we felt so affected and because we try so hard to fix ourselves that sometimes we don't reach out outside of who we are as a leather community. I agree. I agree. I also have this theory or this thought, you know, and, and uh, in terms of where we're at with the equal rights movement, now that we've got marriage equality in all 50 states, there seems to be a growing number of us in the LGBTQI community. But specifically, I want to talk to you about gay men um, in mm-hmm. that, you know, there were, were corporate people or, you know, some of us actually like to fit in a box and you know the leather community and the fetish community you know these were all uh, I think subcultures of our own community that obviously grow, grew during a time of sexual liberation the gay liberation movement I mean does it make you sad to think that um, you know for some people 
they they don't they might be okay uh, as far as like losing that part of our culture. It would be a sad day for us if we decided that we you know we didn't want this to be a part of our community, right? In terms of, are you speaking like just sexual liberation in all aspects of our? Yeah, I think that I you know. I'm, I, I'm sorry. You know what I'm what I'm saying is that you know I feel like uh, more and more gay people are okay with being in a box, being, uh, you know, the corporate guy or being the quote-unquote normal, you know, dad or something like that, to where um, the leather community, to me, isn't, it's not this extreme community. I mean, it's absolutely a part of the gay community and grew Mm -hmm. during the time of the sexual liberation movement. It would be really sad if gay people, and specifically gay men, in my opinion, decided that, you know, they did not want to... um, I guess embrace right that that se- the sexual liberty that we fought for uh, at once, and and that now oh. they're they're kind of okay with being in that box. Wouldn't yeah, you be so sad? Fitting into more, yeah, absolutely. We well because we bounced back and forth between so many extremes that we were being so loud during the '90s to be weird, and that now I feel we're swaying back more of a heteronormative lifestyle because we tried so hard for equal rights that we wanted to show everyone we we are like you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we swung back towards that box. We swung back into that heteronormative masculine feminine box um, that I think we kind of lost a bit of that momentum of weirdness that we had. Um, which is a lot of where I get my energy, actually. I, I like to focus on the fact that we are both, like, all people are both masculine and feminine. You don't have to fit into this corporatized, heteronormative box that makes you like everybody else. You can, you can experience life as you want. And really, if you feel like you need to be in a box, find a box that's your same color. Right. Don't, don't be in a, just don't sit in this box because this is where people think your box should be. I love it. I love the answer. Um, Pup, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, just some last words from you before we send you off back to work. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. The Michelle Meow Show continues right after this. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. 
This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Michelle Meow. On the phone with us is Pup Tugger, who is a contestant at the International Mr. Leather Competition. And uh, he hails from Phoenix. But the thing we love about Pup is that he's breaking barriers uh, with gender expressions and, and just kind of he himself outside the norm of what's normal in leather. How cool is that? <laughs> so, I like it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, Pup, um, you know, just a, a, a really quick, maybe a, just a wrap up on our discussion. We've spoken openly about, you know, leather, about fetish and and just this growing diversity and, and sexual liberation. Uh, you know, the Folsom Street Fair happens every year here in San Francisco. I believe it's still the only largest leather uh, event ever, right, in the entire world? Um, so, yeah, Folsom, I would say, is probably one of the largest street festivals, um, probably followed closely by Dory and then um, Folsom East, which happens in New York. Uh, and I mean, so many, it, it's grown so much to me in that it's also, it's also starting to include all kinds of people. Um, I remember, you know, running into someone that I, that I knew from doing an interview who did not want me to out him because he was, you know, a straight guy who's, who was a corporate executive in the Bay area. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I guess, you know, I would like to know from your opinion, I mean, you know, people need to break this misconception that leather, uh, those in the leather community are just one way. I mean, leather can be a fetish for just about anybody. Yeah. Um, so that's actually kind of a mold that we've been working on breaking probably for the last like four or five years, um, is making leather less about leather and making the term leather more totally inclusive of kink in general. Um, so you don't have to wear black leather to be a leather person. Um, we're reaching out to people who wear rubber, people who wear, um, people who just wear like denim and t-shirts, people, like all of these different types of fetishes or way people present themselves through their clothing that you don't have to wear leather anymore to be leather. Um, as long as you have something that kind of, I, like I say, twists your nipples, um, you can be part of our community. Mm-hmm. My ears <laughs> peaked up a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes, the nipple effect. Um, <laughs> so a couple more questions for you. Hashtag TigerGate. What does that actually mean? Um, I didn't even think of it. Um, one of my brothers kind of made fun of me for it because, um, while I was on stage, um, somebody in the audience had 
you didn't necessarily have something nice to say. And so while I was on stage presenting who I was at IML, somebody, um, a couple of people booed from the audience, apparently. Um, they were quickly shown where the door was by people who were supportive, and let's be clear that the cheers drowned out everything. Um, so Tigergate is really more of a movement that teaches people that you're going to be accepted for who you are. Be a full representation of who you are, and this community is going to be here for you. That's really what Tuckergate means. That's so awesome. Um, I love it. I love you, Pup Tugger. You're, you're, I think, you know, the first leather contestant that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> now, I mean, I love, I love them all. They're all so extremely hot. And again, you guys do so, such great work for the HIV AIDS community. Um, last question for you. What's next for Pup Tugger? Um, I, I don't know. We're kind of rolling with the punches. <laughs> um, probably something I've been working on, and right now I'm working on taking a different shift in it, is I've been working on a sexually progressive etiquette blog um, that I call the Polite Poodle. Um, so, <laughs> so cute. people asking questions about dating websites or bar interaction or even kink interaction, asking these difficult questions and getting more of a etiquette and polite response to these real-life situations that are difficult to handle. That is so wonderful. And that's at puptugger.com? Yep, you can go to puptugger.com. There's a link to Polite Poodle. Um, right now, I'm in the mix of deciding whether or not to take it to video or text. Um, but I'll have something probably by the end of the week. I think video would be great. You're such a I cutie. Think video. Yeah. I know. But video <laughs> editing is so hard. Yeah, you're telling us. <laughs> you know, I like strolling into the studio with nothing but sweats on. Uh, Pup, you're awesome and amazing. And thank you so much for diversifying the leather community and, and just being yourself and being loud about it. I love it. Thanks, Michelle. Pup Tugger, everyone. Hashtag Tuggergate. I have fulfilled my life's dream in finding out what Tuggergate means, and I got Pup here on the program. When we come back, final thoughts with uh, our, 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 our lesbian producer saying no. We're not doing final thoughts. Are we doing final thoughts? Let's do them right now. We, we're going to do, le- okay, final thoughts. I'm all over the place. Sorry. Sorry, Jax. Hashtag Tuggergate. Be yourself. Be myself. You know what the deal is? I am 70% back, you know, from being fried, and so I'm not 100% yet. Um, However, you know, I I, I just can't afford to take another week off because I love what I do. I love talking to people and sharing these stories. And that's the thing about this community is that, you know— it's so it's so incredible to have diversity, but true diversity, and that diversity can mean uh, things beyond gender or sex or even ethnicity. Um, it can be fetish. It can be a subculture. We've got bears. We've got poodles. We've got cubs. And I think I'm a puppy. <laughs> a new realization. I like what he said about uh, the bo- putting yourself into boxes. Yeah. And feel free to but pick any box you want that kind of thing mm-hmm. and understand that everyone is in their own yeah i i certainly you know i i don't know how you feel but i don't want to lose 
these special things about our community um, that is historical or that, you know, we weren't ashamed of. At some point, you know, most of us in the community, we were ashamed or we were oppressed or we couldn't really express ourselves. And now that we can, I don't want, you know, the new generation of heteronormative gays. Homonormative? Is that a... <laughs> <laughs> I want us to continue being homo. Yes, homo. I don't. Well, homo normative has never been normative, um, in in some aspect here in this country, but continue to be homo would be awesome, right? But just the idea of homosexual people falling into the heteronormative ideals. So, example, advertising. Yeah, you know they're going to take the the white male gay couple, and that's their image. Right. So that's falling into that still, but really, you know, pull back the curtain and it's everyone under the sun. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I, I, I totally think that Hillary Clinton's campaign video, you know, it's as inclusive as can be. It is groundbreaking and that she's probably one of the very, yeah, few or first uh, presidential candidates to include gay and lesbian and even trans people in her video. However... They're all wearing like a stuffy sweater. <laughs> I mean, I, I wear stuffy cardigans um, and then I wear Hawaiian print shirt. I don't know. Like I know that a, a lot of us are pretty loud about, you know, uh, expressing ourselves. Well, Hillary only wears pantsuits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, J. Crew's got her on lockdown. Um, Sponsored no. by J. Crew. No, I actually think her pantsuits are way more expensive than J. Crew. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And one in every color. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I particularly liked our, you know, conversation with Jen, who is with the uh, Catholic organization. Uh, one, because, you know, they didn't just talk about LGBTQ equality, but that they were very big on, you know, women's rights as well. And, you, you, you know, a lot of we forget or I think that what the media has done to us recently is created this opportunity for us to think that religion is not about helping people or not about, you know, charity work or not about compassion and that it's all about, you know, this higher up thinking that it's very discriminatory, right? Yeah, it just, I think that interview kind of makes you, okay, go, I need to stop generalizing not every Catholic thinks this about me or LGBT people. And I was refreshing and she was so calm, calmly <laughs> stating that basically these people are extremists uh, that are trying to use these religious freedom bills against everyone they think that. And that's the scary part that they're extremists, but yet they're also elected officials. They're lawmakers. They have some power. They wield that power in this country. Someone like Bobby Jindal. And I joked at the San Francisco Pride Parade broadcast when the religious contingents came down Market Street and there was the Christian contingent, the Catholic contingent, the Muslim contingent. And I joked, I, Bobby Jindal should be marching with them because, you know, he's spoken for every other organization against LGBTQ rights to please these people. I mean, politicians are basing their campaigns off of that. Right. And I just think that, that uh, we, we've got to move away from that. We've got to redefine liberty and freedom in this country. And that, you know, as diverse as the country is becoming, we can't 
again, you know, put people in boxes, even if you're not if you're not in the LGBTQI community and colorful or part of the rainbow. You know, uh <laughs> Was it Jen? Jen and Pup kind of had the same message. They and they're did. very different, very, very different people. We did. We well, did. we don't know about Jen. <laughs> She's not a puppy. Um, but I do make, and just to wrap that up, I do make puppy noises. Uh, my little sister has a dwarf chihuahua. And so when she's dwarf. cold. Yeah. <laughs> they're she's, already so small. I know. But she really, she's dwarfed. Like she wasn't, she wasn't, it wasn't part of the miniature breed. It just so happens that she literally was the runt of the litter. Got it. Yeah. She's dwarfed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so when she gets, she gets cold easily. And when she gets cold, she does something like this. <laughs> Like a golem? <laughs> yeah. So so I do that every time I see her. I'd be like, Ella, are you uh, cold? So I would be a puppy. Hashtag Tuggergate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And then and then my name is Michelle Meow, which is my real middle name, uh, that many people did not know. But I shared that on my Facebook. So Meow is your real middle name. Yeah, it's my legal middle name. Nice. Yep. Uh, I think you have to follow me on Facebook in order to find out why it's my legal middle name. So there's a story behind it. So make sure you go to michellemeow.com and do all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram. I don't know. I hear that soon I hope we have somebody to help us with all that. Please help. Because I'm over <laughs> the age of 25 and I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Hashtag... <laughs> Hashtagging every word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, why do people do that? I hashtag? hate that. Yeah. I hate when people hashtag every word in a sentence. The whole point is keywords so that when people look it up, that's how they come across. No exactly. one's hashtagging it no. and they. The best part is when they misspell stuff or when they use like super uh, unknown, you know, words they made up themselves. Like, how are you ever supposed to file it under that? Ha- how would people know that word because i can't tell if it's made up or it's sometimes fun just to hashtag a whole sentence just because it's (laughs) ridiculous i i use hashtags but you know i tried to that's because i want to categorize certain things like you know i don't know i don't know if you have favorite hashtag words that we should be using you could also give us that feedback at michellemeow.com and uh we're winding down on the show now and you know and again i apologize last week for being out and replaying a bunch of shows but i'm pretty sure that jacks did a great job choosing some of the best interviews that we've done this this year so far we're halfway through the year there was a lot to choose from (laughs) there was a lot to choose from um we'll be back tomorrow at the same time four o'clock pacific standard time i don't know yet what we're going to do uh, we have some things in the works, but in the future, yes, you might hear an interview about lesbian nuns who were criminals. Oh, I want in on that. Yeah. It, and it's a true story. And it, <laughs> so Lesbian nuns. You can lesb- just leave it at that. <laughs> right. That in itself, lesbian nuns. But then the book goes on, lesbian nuns who kill. Kill? That's kill. their crime? That's their crime. <laughs> They're like the most ant opposite of a nun. Right. You can call itself a nun. Right. Uh, yeah. This show, you know, you never know what you're going to get. All right. Anyway, I'm just going to end it here. Thank you again for joining us here on this hump day. Go enjoy it. Go do something crazy. Grab a glass of wine or 
uh, humpity hump on this hump day. Thanks so much for joining us here in the Progressive Voices Network. We'll see you tomorrow. Tune into the Michelle Miao Show weekdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern on Progressive Voices.